Arsenal with a convincing 3-0 victory over Southampton. Pierre Mkhabamiang stripped of his captaincy. The Champions League had to be redrawn after being drawn once. It was drawn twice. And previewing West Ham and Leeds matchups for the Gooners. All of that and more coming up episode 57, part two of the Going Going Gooner podcast. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the, the Going Going Gooner podcast. We ain't apologizing for nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episode. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely will make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. The Going Going Gooner podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. As always, you are here with your co-hosts, Kyle and Arjun. Episode 57, part two. Again, drop us a follow at Pod on Twitter. Arjun, it is a interesting week for all things footy. We will dive on in, starting with the Arsenal 3-0 victory over Southampton. What went right for us? Well, I mean, it was it was a much more convincing performance for Arsenal than against Everton, obviously. Embarrassing loss to Everton uh, last Monday. Arsenal had a few days to regroup before taking on Southampton, who are in a similar spot in the table, um, who were in a similar spot to Everton table. Everton currently 14th after losing to Palace yesterday. Southampton 15th after this loss to Arsenal. So what went right for the Gunners? It's hard to say. I mean, the... Uh, the performance was much, much better, much more convincing. I think um, having Lacazette up top didn't really change much. But I think the main thing to talk about pregame is, you know, what happened with Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang before we get into the actual talk of the game. Yes, this was a a storyline headed into the game. Uh, and has and as it has now been reported on by... Basically, everybody is reported on by Ornstein, especially and Fabrizio Romano, that Pierre Mkhabamiang was uh, dropped for the match by Arteta following a disciplinary issue. It has not happened uh, once. It's happened multiple times for Alba now. Uh, and Arteta was making an example saying, I'm dropping you fully from the table from the match. Uh, you, you were not going to captain it. I believe Laka was our captain. And then he went and got subbed off. It was holding. So, yeah, that happened. Uh, and as has come out in the past day or two, Pierre Gabamian, as stated in the intro, is no longer our club captain. Now, those wondering, firstly, how he got the captaincy, it was because Granit Xhaka had the captaincy and was stripped of it after, you know, flipping off some fans and shouting at some fans in the stands, possibly that. Uh, he was dropped of his captaincy. Uh, the players had a vote, and Alba was voted as the captain, so he got captaincy. And now he is in stripped of that captaincy. So our past three captains are June, for those wondering at home. Alba, disciplinary problems. Xhaka, just cussing out fans. And Laurent Koscielny, ghosting us for a summer and then leaving for no apparent reason, just because he wanted to leave. And it was, we have had a problem with captaincy. And it currently looks like the captain will be Lacazette. 
possibly Jaka as the vice captain and holding as the third captain, which might I say, Jaka getting captaincy back right now, it's laughable. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. It doesn't make sense, but it's apparently voted on by the players. So, okay, whatever. But at the end of the day, that's ridiculous. Uh, and I'll turn it over to you to help me make sense of whatever is going on in Obama. Yeah. Area. So, I mean, Obama was completely left out of the squad. He will be completely left out of the squad for tomorrow's match against West Ham as well. He was informed of that today, according to Arteta. So in, in the game against Southampton, we'll get to the captain talk shortly. Um, but Arsenal came out, you know, playing on the back foot a little bit against Southampton but grew into it, you know, around the 15th minute, they were playing much better. They were stringing together passes. Um, and the first goal was scored in the 21st minute, a beautiful team move, vintage Arsenal football. This is exactly how Arteta wants them to play. It's why we bought Ramsdale. It's why we bought Ben White people who can handle the football in the, in the defensive third and progress it. Uh, they were able to do that fantastically. It was nice link up between Tommy Asu, I think Partey on the, on the right side as well. And, uh, Saka, who got it into Lacazette with a first-time finish. It was a beautiful team goal. Um, reminded me of the goal uh, in the FA Cup against Manchester City. Just playing out from the back, composed, smart, good football. And in the 21st minute, that was the first goal. And I was thinking to myself, as everyone was thinking, how long will it take for Southampton to get possession, force us into the low block, and get their goal? It never happened. Arsenal were on the front foot for pretty much the entire rest of the match. And that's what I want to see. That's what we should have seen against Everton. And it's what we should see against teams like Southampton. I mean, Everton and Southampton are of similar quality. Obviously, maybe on paper, Everton have the more talented players, but they certainly weren't playing like it until they played us. And they certainly weren't playing like it yesterday when they lost 3-1 to Palace. So, yeah. or two days ago, pardon me. So that's just what's confusing about this, that, you know, we play so well against a team like Southampton, but completely collapse a, a game which should have been handed to us. And if Arsenal win that game against Everton, we're fourth right now. But um, we are currently in sixth and two points off of fourth place. But, you know, it's, it's those little things that make a difference. And um, Arsenal honestly could have had five or six in this one. Gabriel yeah. had a goal disallowed in about the 58th minute and then scored in the 62nd with a header. And both Martinelli and Saka hit the post. Um, so Arsenal were creating chances very well. They were forcing the issue, trying to get that third, fourth, fifth goal. It was what you want to see. I mean, yeah. I, I think something something clicked maybe. We'll have to see how it goes in the upcoming games if they go back to that complacency. But it's very clear that this back line is good enough to cover, that this back line is good enough for, um, for the wingers to get forward uh, and for Odegaard to progress that football and for Thomas or for Partey and Jaka to do the same while pushing numbers forward to get a second or a third to, to cover that lead. This back four is good enough to cover for that. And that, that is why I don't understand why we go into playing 11 behind the football because we have invested in this back line and they are very strong defensively and they have been. And I think the best part of this team as a defensively is the fact that especially the wing backs can defend so well. Tierney is better known for his attacking, but he is a dang good defender. 
Tomiyasu is like an octopus. Every 10 seconds, a CSS limb out and it happens to get the ball. Don't know how he does it. He just does it. It's, it is majestic to see. And then I think the biggest thing for me was I texted you it when it happened. Gabrielle Martinelli, his tracking back is insane on that left side. When Tierney goes forward, there was a couple occasions where Martinelli just bombs back down the left and covers for Tierney. It was insane to see happen that the entire team was bought into this. This entire starting 11, maybe outside of Lacazette, maybe Xhaka. He had an okay game, whatever. Same with Partey. The rest of the team bought into the system. Odegaard looks great. Martinelli looks great. He looks fantastic on that left. Saka looks great. Laka even looked okay. He wasn't good. He was better than Alba has been. The back line, as you said, is just phenomenal. Don't know how else to put it. Ramsdale makes easy saves look beautiful. The entire team currently outside of our striker is playing well. Which again, we discussed it last week. I don't want to discuss it again, but we need a striker. We just do. Laka is going to be out of contract come the summer. And Ketia seems like he should leave. Balogun's probably going out on loan. Alba looks to be done at the club. I We need a striker. That It's as simple as that. We need somebody. I don't even... I expect us to sign some random French dude, but I would love it if we can get somebody good. I would love a Karamadiemi. I'd love it. I think this Aubameyang news has accelerated um, Arsenal's search for a striker. And obviously the Aubameyang news came not as a shock because this is a, a, a repeated pattern in his, in his behavior. And, um, you know, he's been benched before for, you know, being late to team meetings. Um, and, but I saw people criticizing Artetis for sort of airing out the, the dirty laundry within the club. But I think it's, I don't know. I think they can both be at fault. I don't know if Arteta needed to air that out before the match, just say that it's something we're dealing with internally. Um, but it is something that he has done in the past that he said that, you know, he has broken team rules, so he will be not playing today. Um, but I think stri- stripping of, of the captaincy was absolutely the correct move. You have to put your foot down at some point. Um, you know, interim captain, obviously, Laka, Xhaka, and Holding. Holding took the captain's armband um, when he came on the pitch. And when Lacazette exited, Lacazette obviously had the captain's armband for this match. Um, but I think going forward, I think both of us want to see Kieran Tierney. Uh, I think both of us want to see that armband around Kieran Tierney's um, sleeve at some point. He deserves it. Can confirm. I think, Can confirm. I think there were, I think there were rumblings that Odegaard could be a possible candidate. I mean, he's been with the club for a decent amount of time, not as much as, you know, Tierney or, or obviously Jacques or Jaka or holding or Lacazette, but Odegaard is Norway's captain at, at his young age. And he, um, one thing about Odegaard is that I'm very happy to see him getting on the score sheet. I'm happy to see him having impact on games. I think he can be a world-class talent, and I think this is the place to develop him. And especially with how well he's playing, I think he should be a mainstay in the squad. And, you know, Smith Rowe, I think we've seen that he is better out on the wing. It's, it's useless to try and, and utilize Smith Rowe in the middle when Odegaard is there playing so well. So I think, I think the team selection 
uh, has been sorted a little bit by well by how well Odegaard has been playing and by how much we need Smith Rowe out on that left side. Um, we'll talk about it later, but tomorrow's game against West Ham obviously will not have Aubameyang available. So we'll see what Arteta goes with. Um, but those are just the, the sort of little notes. I think, I think Thomas, I think Partey and Jaka can both improve, um, you know, progressing the ball forward, but they didn't have, you know, awful games like they did against Everton. Jaka wasn't awful, but Partey was particularly horrendous against Everton, but he picked it up, played better, played the full 90. Um, so it, it'll just be something to watch a good win against Southampton, a convincing win, um, clean sheet as well. So that is something you like to see. Um, but it's how we carry the momentum into playing teams that are better than us on paper and that are better than us out on the field too, because obviously embarrassing losses to all of the top three so far this season and West Ham have been firmly in that fourth position for pretty much this entire year. So we said the match against United was the biggest of the season. Arsenal dropped that one. I think this match against West Ham is equally as important. Yeah. And speaking of squad selection, uh, two teams currently, uh, are facing a problem in terms of their squads, which is COVID. Uh, both Spurs and Manchester United have had uh, their last two matches postponed. Uh, Spurs was against Brighton, and United's was against Brentford. Uh, United meant to play today, uh, Tuesday the 14th. Uh, Spurs yesterday the 13th, both facing big COVID problems. And COVID isn't a challenge just in the world of football, might I say. It is in the world of the NFL, uh, there was problems across the board. There was problems in hockey. There's problems in the NBA. It's happening everywhere right now. There's a problem with the Omicron virus and it is being taken very seriously because these games are being suspended. There's players not being able to play. Joshua Kimmich, uh, Joshua Kimmich came out and said, I wish I got the vaccine sooner because he had complications with his lungs because of COVID. And it has become a real, real problem uh, in the world of, of football. And the latest two are Spurs United to deal with it. Uh, it is, it is. And, and Arsenal, Arsenal have, have gone back to protocols from project restart. So, I mean, they are, they are, I think they're forcing players to get tested in their cars before they go to training, uh, you know, sort of instigating more tight measures because, you know, it, it's spreading really quickly in the UK. Um, you know, we don't have a ton of data on it yet, but that is what we have to do when there's a new variant that can, um, that could potentially cause damage. So um, there'll probably be there'll probably be issues for the next couple of weeks. I wouldn't. I mean, there is a very congested fixture list for the entire month of December. I wouldn't be surprised to see many more games get postponed because you know teams are traveling all over the UK um, that they're going to have to um, that they're going to have to adjust. And you know, Arsenal obviously have this game on Wednesday. Um, against West Ham, and then they have a match they'll go up to Leeds um, on Saturday, and then Carabao Cup against Sunderland on the 21st, and then Boxing Day, and then two days after that, and then New Year's. So, I mean, there is, you know, five or six games in the next 15, 16 days that Arsenal will have to play, and that just increases contact with more people. Um, and that's not just an Arsenal thing. Every club in the Premier League has this kind of fixture list through December, because they've got to they've got to whack out these fixtures, um, because the international break won't be coming for a little bit. So they congest all the fixtures into one month, and that's what can happen. So I mean, we will be seeing a lot more COVID affecting you know worldwide sports, 
um, a little bit niche, but it's been affecting cricket a lot too. I mean, um, the Omicron variant obviously was first found in South Africa and there was, you know, cricket going on there. They had to cancel an entire series. So it's affecting everybody. And um, it's something the Premier League will have to deal with because, you know, it was sort of like this way at the start of Delta, I think, um, that was a little bit more severe, it looks like, but Omicron is spreading really fast, as we've seen. But we hope that it doesn't, you know, cause lasting damage, as, as you've said it has for Yozua Kimmich. I mean, he's going to be sidelined for a substantial amount of time. And that's because, you know, he has long-term effects now. And as you said, wishes he got the vaccine. So, um, you know, the Premier League, I think, could be doing a better job, you know, trying to promote that among the players as, it, as they do here in the States. Um, but it's something that, you know, obviously everyone will have to contend with, um, you know, the big clubs like United and Tottenham have been affected and it's, I think it's only a matter of time before we see a lot more games getting affected too. Yeah. And some games you don't want to get affected though are June, the champions league. We don't want to see those games get affected. Obviously we had the champions league draw this past, uh, week and, it wasn't just a draw, Arjun. Uh, it was a draw and a redraw for the Champions League this week. Uh, in a, a, I even know how to classify it, a wacky turn of events. Um, UEFA had to state that there was a problem with the draw and they had to do a redraw. Now, for those wondering what happened, and I know we discussed this before the episode a bit to just touch on it, what happened was when Atletico Madrid's draw was coming up, the system apparently per UEFA that tells the officials what balls to put into UEFA's possible drawing pairing did not include Manchester United. That apparently that is what happened, and that is UEFA's story, and United was not put in the draw. So they were not a possible option for Atletico Madrid at that point, and they had to redraw and they did it a few hours later. They redrew. It was a whole mess at like six in the morning, Eastern Standard Time here in America. It was a whole, whole mess. Um, and they redrew the Champions League. And oh boy, Arjun. Oh boy. Um, so I want to start with the original pairings we got. I want you to, to run through that for me. Because there was one match of a particular, and I know we're both going to discuss it, that we got teased for like two hours of this is going to happen and the redraw happened. So what were the original champions league draw round of 16 matches looking like? Yeah. So the original round of 16 draw that was um, drawn before it was declared void. Benfica was going to take on Real Madrid, Villarreal versus Manchester city, Atletico Madrid versus Bayern Munich, FC Salzburg versus Liverpool. Inter Milan versus Ajax, Sporting versus Juventus, Chelsea versus Lille, and the granddaddy of them all, Paris Saint-Germain versus Manchester United, Messi versus Ronaldo. I mean, that is that is out of those. I mean, uh, Atletico versus Bayern is a pretty good matchup. Inter Milan versus Ajax could have been interesting. But besides that, I think it would have been just one team dominating. And yeah. then you have PSG Manchester United as the marquee matchup man we could have had messi and ramos against ronaldo you can't tell me that wouldn't have been good i mean we have never seen 
uh, I believe, I don't believe Ronaldo and Ramos ever played against each other for a club. They played against each other for country, for Spain and Portugal. I don't know if they've ever played against each other for club. Because um, Ramos obviously was not at Madrid before he joined, before he got there. But I don't know if it's ever happened. Um, and that would have been thoroughly enjoyable. But instead what we got was redraw. And the redrawn pairings, we have Salzburg versus Bayern, Benfica versus Ajax, Atletico Madrid versus Man United, uh, Inter Milan versus Liverpool, Sporting versus Man City, Chelsea versus Lille. They redrew the same pairing, which is just bonkers to see happen. Uh, Villarreal versus Juventus, and Paris Saint-Germain against Real Madrid. So we get Messi and Ramos going back to the Bernabeu to face Real that will obviously be a good match. Um, seeing Ramos against Madrid with Messi on his team is going to be a bit of a culture shock for a lot of people. Um, that'll be quite enjoyable to watch, but not getting Messi, Ronaldo. I think, I think, Kyle, all things considered, I think the redraw creates some better matchups than the original agree, one did. But Archie. I mean, you, you've, got, you've, got, you've got Salzburg versus Munich, which will be a wash. Sporting versus City, which will be a wash. Benfica versus Ajax. Ajax went completely undefeated in their group. That could be uh, an interesting matchup. They've played very well. Chelsea versus Lille was the same matchup. Chelsea got extremely lucky. Um, they finished second in their group and managed to draw Lille, who are a good side. But in the end, I think Chelsea will be able to take that one away. Atletico versus Manchester United will certainly be very interesting. Villarreal versus Juventus could throw us a curveball. Inter Milan versus Liverpool could do the same. Uh, Liverpool obviously playing like a top three club in the world, but, you know, Inter Milan, they've got that pedigree. They've got the players to do it. And PSG versus Real, still the marquee matchup involving PSG, but for different reasons. I think Real Madrid are playing incredible football right now. Benzema and Vinicius are a lethal duo. PSG not exactly performing as we thought they would with, you know, Messi, uh, Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar. I think they're still top of league on, but they've played better in the Champions League. Messi has played much better in the Champions League than in league on. And obviously there are two months until these fixtures. So anything can happen between that time. So um, I think the redraw creates better matchups, but not enough to take away a messy Ronaldo matchup from us. It, you know, I was going to say, it just doesn't do enough for me. Um, but we will predict the Champions League real quick, Arjun. Uh, we'll go through matchup by matchup, our winners, our losers, um, or real just the winners for now. Uh, so starting off with Salzburg versus Bayern Munich, you know, there might be something in the works. Kara Matiemi, uh for Salzburg is a great striker. It's This is Bayern. I think you can agree with that. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, so Bayern take that for us. We won't we won't give a goal differential because it could be anything for any of these games. We're not going to predict that right now. We we will get to that come February. Yes, but not right now. Come February, we'll do that. For now, we won't. Next up, Sporting versus Man City. Again, Sporting are great. Have played great. City are just different. City win it for me. City take this one for me too. City defeated Leeds 7-0 in the Prem today. I mean, that's not an indicator of how they'll play against Sporting, but I mean, the the three best the three best uh, English clubs and Bayern Munich are just in another tier than every other yeah. club in the world right now. It's not close. Uh, next up, Villarreal versus Juve. 
I'm actually going to take Villarreal on this one. I think they upset Juve. I think I Juve too. has been misfiring this year. Give me Villarreal. Give us I Villarreal. am in agreement. I'm going to take Villarreal too. Unless Look Juve can step it up in, in the Serie A in the next couple, in the next month or two, I think Villarreal will have, you know, the upper hand. You know, um, Porto knocked out Juve um, last year. I think it was the round of 16. Mm-hmm. And it, it was... was a heroic performance um, from Porto, and I think Juve will face the same end in the round of 16 this year. And they are Ronaldo-less this year, so there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up, Benfica, a team near and dear to my heart, against Ajax. This is actually going to be probably a pretty good match. Uh, Benfica always have fun in the Champions League. Ajax, as you said, six for six in the Champions League this year. Um, based on just how they're playing, I got to go with Ajax. I know Benfica are sitting, I believe, third in the uh, Liga Nos table. So give me Ajax. I think they take it over Benfica. I'm also going to take Ajax. And obviously, Ajax were six for six. They had not a super difficult group. But similarly to in 2019, I think Ajax could be dark horses to go pretty far in this Champions League. Yeah, I, I don't disagree there. Uh, next up, Chelsea, Lille. The Redron, same pairing, same time, same place. I Chelsea are going to take this. I, I love Lille, but no. And Chelsea, as we saw last year, this team is built for the Champions League. This team is built for the Champions League, as is Tuchel. I mean, they have the tactics to, to repeat, and they have the players to, to take another Champions League. Currently, I think Bayern are my favorites, as they always are. I love Bayern, but Chelsea are right behind them. I'm going to take Chelsea in this tie. They're right there. Chelsea win the tie for both of us. Next up, Atleti, Man United. Uh, United, again, COVID problems right now, but they are also Man United. But Ronaldo going up against the former rivals, Atletico Madrid. That is going to be an interesting game, to say the least. Um, It pains me to say it. I just think Ronaldo does Ronaldo in this, and it's United win. Mm -hmm. I think the same. I think, I mean, Ronaldo, for as much as I think Messi's the best of all time, I think Ronaldo is the best of all time in the Champions League. He is another level in this competition. And we saw him do it with Juve against Atletico, I think, two years ago. Um, You know, Atletico won the first leg 2-0, and then Ronaldo dropped a hat trick in the second leg. Um, Atleti fans hate Ronaldo. I mean, it is a hate relationship. I think... That's going to play a factor, and I think Ronaldo will um, will come through. And also, it's going to be two months yeah. until these fixtures, so United definitely could get it together by then and yeah. play like an actual team without needing Ronaldo. To <laughs> which is which is a scary thought to think. Uh, yeah. Next up, second to last, we'll go Inter versus Liverpool. Um, I again, Liverpool right now are just I yeah, they're the they're the shiznit. They really are. I think they take it over Inter. Inter are good competition, but they're not Liverpool. I think this and, is a and, possible. And... I know Inter's been weird up and down this year, I believe, in the Serie A, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I, oh, this is going to be a, it'd be a weird matchup. Yeah, Inter are, currently, Inter are currently top of the Serie A. Juventus are seventh. They're 12 points back. Um, but Inter... I think it could be really – I think this is going to be the best matchup of the all. I think this is a matchup where it wouldn't shock me if Inter win. I just think Liverpool are just way better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think I think PSG-Real is 
probably going to be the one with the most storylines, but I think Inter Milan versus Liverpool is going to be the tie where we see the best football. So I think, I think Liverpool will take it. They are very strong in the champions league um, and very strong in general as well. I think the parity between the top three in England and the rest are crazy. Yeah. Um, but Inter, I think they've got, they've got the talent. I mean, they've got so much, they've got so much talent all over the pitch. Um, it could be close, but I'm going to take Liverpool. And then Arjun, this does bring us the last Champions League matchup. The one, the only PSG Real Madrid. Uh, I'm you know when things just feel like there's writing on the wall this one it i for me personally arjun i got to go psg i just have to if this game was being played next week i would take real but i think psg will get it together and like you said ronaldo will do ronaldo i think messi will do messi i think he's going to have something to prove and i think PSG is going to take this. I have a bold claim. And you know me with my bold claims. Yep. I think PSG win uh, by one goal somewhere. There's a one There's a one goal differential between the two. And that goal is scored by Sergio Ramos. Oof. I think that Oof. is what the nail in the coffin is. And it's going to be at the Bernabeu too. I don't know what leg that's going to be. I think the deciding goal is going to be a Ramos-Bernabeu goal. And it's going to be the most heartbreaking for him thing. That is my prediction. Um, and then the Europa League did not have any problems with its draw. Uh, it had its knockout round playoff draw, which for those wondering is the Champions League teams who dropped down and the second place teams, I believe, of the Europa League playing against each other. The matchups we got to run through them real quick. Uh, Dinamo Zagreb versus Sevilla. Uh RB Leipzig versus Real Sociedad, Zenit versus Real Betis, uh, Sheriff Tiraspol versus SC Braga, uh, Atalanta versus Olympiacos, Porto versus uh, Lazio, Erling Holland and Borussia Dortmund versus Rangers, and the biggest one of them all, by far the best matchup I think can be stated, uh, FC Barcelona versus Napoli. That's just going to be a matchup of fun. Uh, Barca's first time in the Europa League in 17 years. Messi was not uh, a senior squad member at that time, uh, as we talked about last time. We will predict these matchups as well when we do our Champions League uh, predictions. But Arjun, it's time to move on to some more predictions. It's game time. Arsenal, West Ham, and then Arsenal leads. Give me your thoughts. Where do you think these games are going? So I think with Noah Bamiang against West Ham, I think Arte- I think Arteta fields the exact same 11 against Southampton. Um, Lacazette will get the start up top. Um, I don't know, actually. I-, I think I think Smith Rowe may get back into the squad. Um, I think he may be favored over Martinelli. If you ask me my ideal team, it's Martinelli up top with Smith Rowe on the left. But I think Martinelli may get dropped for, for Smith Rowe. I don't think it'll be a fully unchanged 11. I said it, but then I realized that Smith Rowe is probably healthy and we need Emil Smith Rowe in this game. Need it. Um, because West Ham obviously are playing very strong football. They are a really, really good side. Um, Drew Burnley a couple of days ago, nil, nil, but you know, they got that big win over Chelsea um, about 10 days ago as well. So, I mean, they are playing really well. And if Arsenal take all three points, 
They go up into fourth, jump West Ham, which would be huge. I don't think that'll happen. I think this game is at the Emirates. If we field Smith Rowe, I think it'll end 1-1. But if we go unchanged, I don't know. I think I'll say 1-1 either way. I think because Martinelli could have an impact, but it'll really depend on how Lacazette plays and how the midfield two play. I think it's going to be really important that Partey and Jaka come out on the front foot and that if we go up 1-0 or take a lead at any point, that we don't stay complacent. Because, I mean, West Ham are incredibly good on the counter with Mikhail Antonio, so we can't commit too many numbers forward, but that doesn't mean go on the low block either. You can find a middle ground, and our back line can handle it. They definitely can. Um, but West Ham will have the tactics. They, I don't think they will play counterattacking against us because they know they can keep possession against us um, in the low block. So I'm going to take 1-1 against West Ham. 1-1 against West Ham. I am going uh, 2-1 Arsenal over West Ham. Uh, the last four matches we played against them was a 3-3 draw. We won 2-1 before that, 1-0 for us, and then 3-1 before that in the end of 2019. I think we win 2-1. I think we get a scrappy goal, a good goal. They get a good goal. We win 2-1. And that takes us then into our matchup against Leeds United, who Arjun today got uh, slaughtered by Man City 7-0. Uh, City put seven past them with De Bruyne getting uh, a brace. Foden had one. Grealish had one. De Bruyne had two. Mares, Stones, and Ake each had one. That's just a pummeling. Uh, Leeds put up a good fight earlier in the weekend against Chelsea, losing 3-2 to Chelsea after a very tough, hard-fought match. They just didn't have it against City. They have, by the way, the toughest schedule I've ever seen in a four-game stretch. Chelsea, City, Arsenal, Liverpool. I feel so bad. I feel awful yeah. for them. And, after and Leeds, us, Chris, uh, on the day after Christmas, they then have Liverpool, which is just rough. Yeah, and Leeds have been massively underperforming this year for how much talent they have and for how good of a coach Bielsa is too. Um, I really think Arsenal need to take advantage of this, um, them losing 7-0. Um, depends how Arsenal play against West Ham, but I think that the squad will rotate a little bit. Um, we may see Lakonga in there. Backline, obviously, I think will stay the same. But if we don't see Smith Rowe, if we see Smith Rowe against West Ham, I think we'll see Martinelli against Leeds. Um, and who knows if Aubameyang will be back by then? I'm not 100% sure. Maybe he'll be on the bench. Um, but I think Arteta is going to roll with Lacazette up top in both games. I think this is a game that Arsenal need to win. Obviously, West Ham, I think, is a must win, but I don't think that I'm expecting one. I'm 100% expecting Arsenal to beat Leeds, um, which means that it won't happen. Um, But I'm going to predict 2-0 to Arsenal. Um, I think that they can head into Leeds and and get the job done without, you know, too much griping, too much um, complaining from us, the fans. We we hope they can get that done because they've got a Carabao Cup match against Sunderland on Tuesday, which should be interesting. But that will, you know, we'll see a lot of squad rotation for that one, too. But I think Arsenal should hopefully get four points from the next two matches. That is that is the goal. I, I agree. I got got me. Give me three nil Arsenal. I'm feeling it. 
For all of that coverage and more, follow us on Twitter at GGGoonerPod. We will be discussing on there the Alba captaincy, how these matches go, the Champions League, Europa League, all that fun stuff and more. For myself, from Arjun, find us next week here on the pod discussing all things Arsenal yet again. Episode 57, part one is also out discussing the New Orleans Saints. Find us there on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Myself, Marjun, we'll talk to you all later.